You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Monday, November the 20th. First time I've been presenting this show from TW11 in a while. You'll be reassured to know that it is uh, pleasingly bleak and dank and wet in TW11 today, but so much upon which to reflect over the weekend uh, as far as the UK jumping scene is concerned and so much to look forward to as well, UK and Ireland and Hong Kong and beyond during the course of this show. First of all, though, news has just dropped courtesy of uh, our friends at Betfair and Paul Nichols's Betfair column this morning that Daryl Jacob, uh, formerly first jockey, of course, to Paul Nichols' ditch at operation around about 10 years ago, will get the ride on Brave Man's Game, should Brave Man's Game line up in this Saturday's Grade 1, the Betfair Chase at Haydock Park. You're going to hear from Daryl Jacob in a, in a little while. But first of all, Lydia Hislop is on the show this morning. Um, good to have you back, uh, Lydia. And uh, good to hear that Daryl Jacob has picked up a very important ride at the weekend with Harry Cobden doing duty at Ascot. Your first thoughts? Oh, well, it's the band getting back together to some degree, isn't it? It's turning back the years between Paul Nichols and Daryl Jacob. And I also think it's it's a good choice. I mean, clearly he's um, got a great record in the race, teaming up with Bristol de May. And um, he is a very, very high-class jockey to be able to call upon for such an important assignment as riding Brave Man's Game in the Betfair Chase. I, it does hinge on the ground not being too testing. But as far as I can see from a couple of forecasts that I've I've uh, had a look at I think it looks like it's fair enough in terms of weather for him to line up and that would be excellent to see yeah there might be just a tiny little window this week before it gets revolting again next week this is what Daryl Jacob had to say I spoke to him a few moments ago this was his reaction to being given the ride on Brave Man's Game yeah look it's hugely exciting um, like you say, you know, me and Paul have, you know, we've always had a, you know, we've, we've always gone on great. We've all, you know, I mean, for many, many years since I've been coming over here, I've been right now for Paul and I always have done, you know, even when, you know, with Simon and Isaac, my relationship with Simon and Isaac, I've always been down at Ditchford every now and again. And, uh, you know, obviously with Simon and Isaac, I have many horses in, in England um, this year, you know, the opportunity to go down there once a week or twice a week and ride out from, um you know, it was it was something that I was really looking forward to doing, and just sitting on some some wonderful horses that he has. And this being one of his most high profile ones, how did you find him when you rode him today? Oh, he was he was lovely. Just like you know them them special horses. Um, you know, they just have a special way of going about him. You know, he's he's a very very balanced horse. He's very neat but very powerful, um, and he's a very very professional horse. And uh, you know, going around the ring there, I jumped quite a few jumps on him going around the ring there this morning and uh you know it, it was a real buzz um you know and it was really exciting to you know just to, to have even have the opportunity to sit on him at home there this morning it was something that uh, i was relishing and uh you know i was like uh, i was like a kid going into a, a candy shop for the first time i was uh, i just couldn't hide my excitement about uh sitting on him and you know hopefully but potentially if the you know, if the weather is right, you know, hopefully he might, it might stay dry for the week and he might line up at, at um, Haydock on Saturday. Uh, and you look at the race and you look at his last run. I mean, do you share Paul Nichols' view that he, he's got a fair chunk of um, progress in him from that from that Weatherby seasonal debut? Yeah, of course I do. I mean, look, at I've ridden for Paul for, you know, God knows how many years, you know, and, and, and 
Paul's an absolute genius with a horse. You know, he, he you know, you know, he had horses have their gold cups, and um, yes, he obviously would have liked them to go to 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 Weatherby and win. But you know, he always leaves horses. Uh, you know, for for you know to to improve and and you know when they've got their gold cup, they're they're ready for their gold cup. And uh, you know, Paul obviously you know left him with plenty to improve on him. And you know, when I was going around the school ring there this morning, you know, he was he was as fresh as paint. Um, you know, he was bucking and throwing shapes going around the place. So, you know, the horse is obviously in, mentally and physically he's in a really really good place at the moment. And but that's just what Paul does he's just an absolute genius at producing horses and improving horses for whenever their their, their goal cup is and, and maybe he feels this year you know this is this is the plan that he wants to go he wants to go for the bet fair and then go straight and have them 100% ready for the for the King George so the, the wheel the wheel turning almost full circle uh, popping in there a couple of times a week to, to ride out is it is Paul Nichols 2023 very different from Paul Nichols 2013 or is it much the same <laughs> He's a winner, Nick. He's a winner. That's all we have to say about that one. <laughs> so, so much the same, Daryl. In other words, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He's he's not going to change. He's you know he's fair. He's you know he's just got this amazing mentality. He just loves winning. I mean, you've seen him in the in the Paddy Power Gold Cup on you know in the in the winners' enclosures. I mean, it was like as if he trained his first ever winner all over again, wasn't it? You know, he just. You know, he just loves winning, and that's that, that's the man. He's 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 an un- unbelievable trainer and an unbelievable um, worth work yeah. ethic. And obviously, you've clearly got a very important role, and, and will have a very important role moving forward with the with the Manier Suede ownership group. But it could could this be another another little chapter in your career, going back and and sort of riding a little bit? I'm not saying as number two, but as as part of that nickel setup again. No, I don't think so. Look, at I, you know, um, Simon and Isaac are, you know, they've been my family for the last ten years, and and um, you know, I, I absolutely, you know, that's the, you know, the future is always with, with, with Simon and Isaac. Um, you know, unfortunately, going back, you know, Harry can't be at two places at, at the at the one time. Um, you know, and you know, Paul's just he, he's given me the opportunity to, you know, I've written, you know, I've written countless great ones. You know, I've won a Grand National for Paul in the past, and. Um, you know, hopefully, please God, he might just see me as a, as a, a safe pair of hands. Um, you know, to produce the horse and bring him to, you know, what Paul bribes his Gold Cup is his King George. So, um, you know, like I say, I've always gone on well with Paul, and, and I'm very, very grateful, and I really appreciate Paul and the owners for giving me this opportunity to ride such a special horse in England. That was Daryl Jacob. Here's Lydia again. I enjoyed that. He he sounds like a man on on good form and happy with with life and his lot at the moment, doesn't he? He really doesn't. It's so well deserved. I mean, he has had some reverses, as you know, everybody does in in their their career, but they're much more visceral when sports people, and particularly jockeys, are concerned. Obviously, because of the the spectre of injury that floats over their their lives throughout. Um, and we've seen that only too awfully in, in, in recent weeks with Graham Lee and thoughts continue to go out to him and his family. Um, but yes, I mean, Daryl Jacob has, you you mentioned it when you were talking to him, he has he has become a, an, a superb diplomat and he has um, managed his career so well. And now I think, you know, he really is reaping the rewards. And obviously Simon Muneer and Isaac Suede are you know, greatly responsible for this uh, confident figure that he cuts now, which is as it's just great to see. It really is. Yeah. And uh, he was you know, realistic about what this this association meant. But this is a, 
a very important ride. So this horse could go to Haydock Park on Saturday. If he does, the horse who won the race last year, the defending champion Protectorat, uh, for Jed Mason and Sir Alex Ferguson, fresh from their heroics in Bahrain. Um, he's odds-on for the race, Lydia, which took me by surprise a little bit. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, he was impressive in the race last year, and this is a race that has repeatedly favoured horses that are particularly suited by conditions. But it might not be such specialist conditions this time around. And Brave Man's Game has had the benefit of a run. Um, and that would have, have been a run that puts him spot on. And he is also intrinsically a better horse than Protectorat. Now, uh, will Haydock suit Brave Man's Game as well? I don't see you know, why not? We've seen him there before. Um, we know that this particular Simon suits Protectorat really well. But I mean, in, in terms of, uh, of if I was looking at that cold, I would expect Brave Man's Game to be favourite. I think there's been an overreaction to what happened in the Charlie Hall, where, you know, he, he, he needed the run on ground that was more testing than was the case when he ran a lesser race to win the Charlie Hall 12 months earlier. And he bumped into a horse in Gentleman's Game who had the poten has the potential to be very active and very competitive in the top flight this season. That was just his third chase start. So I think there's been a, something of an overreaction there. It looks like it, there's a possibility for it being a deep race, Protectorat, potentially Shishkin, presumably Shishkin might have an alternative at Ascot over slightly shorter, and that would depend on the ground. But if we're right about the weather forecast and the weather not turning really filthy this week, then maybe Shishkin will go for the Betfair chase because he yeah. showed himself to be a stay-in chaser at Aintree at the end of last season. I would go that way if he was mine. But if he does go to Ascot, he'll take on Pick Dorhey, presumably, as you were mentioning, who would be the ride of Harry Cobden. He's going to be riding a whole shed load of horses for Nichols at Ascot on, on Saturday. And then, of course, we're looking at, you know, King George with multiple Nicholses potentially. And then, you know, we go back to where we started this need for multiple riders. We're also looking at seeing the reigning Gold Cup champion, Galapande Shaw, out this weekend in the John Durkin at Punchestown. Um... Nice starting point for him, two and a half punches down, do you think, en route to Christmas? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he's got, that's the thing about Galloping Deshaun. That's what makes him one of the better uh, Gold Cup winners in the past decade or so, is the fact that he has got uh, speed, tactical speed. And obviously, he's also got tremendous stamina because to, able to put uh, seven lengths between himself and Brave Man's game when they were t went toe to toe over the last two fences in the Cheltenham Gold Cup was quite remarkable. I think it said something about what the limit of Brave Man's game's stamina is. And hence, you know, if the ground isn't so testing at Haydock, then that really does help him. And it also demonstrated how much stamina Gallopin de Shot has. But at the same time, he's not a, a plodding Gold Cup winner. He is a classy Gold Cup winner with a bit of speed. That's right. And any horse... Uh, however brilliant they are, is capable of being defeated on any given day. And we saw that with Galapande shot. Invincible one day and then beaten um, together with Brave Man's Game by a horse called Fast or Slow at Punchestown at the end of the year. This was over three miles. Fast or Slow is going to also have a crack at him in the in the Durkin this weekend because I've been speaking to his trainer, Martin Brassel, and I asked him uh, how he was training up uh, to the Durkin and how he'd been doing. Very happy with him, Nick. Um, everything's gone smooth so far anyway so i haven't had any hold-ups or hiccups so uh looking forward to getting him out for his first run and you've had so much time to reflect on it now i mean do you look at that that end glorious end to last season as absolutely the natural curve of his improvement or do you see a little bit of end of seasonitis with it how do you look at it 
Well, there was, there's a certain element of a natural curve of improvement, but also, like, I would have been looking at reruns of his opposition uh, in Cheltenham and that, and I just felt that uh, Nicholas Horse, anyway, uh, he tied up in the last sort of half a furlong in the Gold Cup, and the winner had a tough enough race, and I just felt that, you know, it might improve our chances of finishing closer to them when he was running in the Gold Cup in Punchestown. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it worked out. But uh, to be all certain on a, on, a, on a level plate now, uh, having had a nice break and freshened up, recovered from all their season. So, um, I suppose that I haven't run him on what's going to be possibly close to heavy ground and um, three miles seems to bring out the best in him as well so look at he has to start off somewhere and with Christmas in mind um, I need to get him out he, 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 he definitely improves with each run okay so it's a, it's a nice starting point for him trip too short maybe the ground a bit too soft but it, you need to get going somewhere you say Christmas is the is the race at Leopardstown at Christmas the, the main primary target it is, that's the target. Um, so look at it, I'm sure Gallup and the Champ will be turning up there as well and plenty more. So, uh, no, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to back up our punches down effort and uh, I'd say we'll probably have a better chance of backing it up at Christmas maybe rather than Sunday, but at the same time, I'd expect him to run his usual solid race. And, of course, we're not even factoring in the fact that he hasn't really got much mileage on the clock and he's only a seven-year-old, so he should, by rights, just be kind of coming into into his prime. Are there signs to you that he could be better now than he was when we last saw him? Just a fundamentally better, stronger, more more able horse? Well, there's every chance he is. Like He, he seems to be getting stronger with each, uh, with each season. Um, like He's come back in now and I've, he's had to get plenty of graft into him to get him to this stage so he's a horse that I'd say whatever, however fit you get him at home um, competition and racing is going to just uh, sharpen the pencil a bit more well I, 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 hope, I hope the pencil is full of lead by the end of the season at the very least Martin thanks so much for talking to me lovely Nick no problem you're welcome Martin Brassel there, a, a superb trainer, as he showed with Fast or Slow. And I, I liked his response there, Lydia, when I sort of said, well, w- were you were you just the, the horse that was improving faster or were you taking advantage of horses who might have been underperforming at the end of last season? He took a very realistic, realistic view of that. And it goes to show you just need to know when the time to strike is sometimes. Do you, do you think this is a horse that can remain at the top table in 2023-24? I think he is a thorough stayer. I think it was not just timing. Uh, I, I, te- I, I thought it was very, very well put by Martin. And, and, you know, we all know that he's a very thoughtful, uh, reflective trainer. And, yeah, his timing, I think, was exemplary with, with Fast or So. It went an absolute corker against Corrick Rambler, of course, in the Ultima at the Cheltenham Festival. I mean, Martin Russell was narrowly reversed in two races at the Cheltenham Festival last season. You know, one of one of the, the stories of the festival was how good he brought... I think he only brought a couple of horses over and they both were just narrowly beaten. It was a, a fantastic uh, 
festival obviously from his perspective it could have been better but it was just nonetheless it was impressive um and fast or slow uh, only gave best to Coric rambler in the ultimate i think that you know it, it the the stamina probably running out from Brave Man's game. It was was well observed from from Martin, and just the toll that a Gold Cup can take at the end of the season. Again, you know those are two horses that were engaged in a toe to toe tussle, so that was, was telling on them. But I think also that along with Envoy Allen, those, those two and Envoy Allen pressed on a bit prematurely five out. I think they got going a long way out. And fast or slow at that point was outpaced. And I think he then stayed on past past horses that had made their effort a little bit too soon. So I think he's slightly flattered at this stage. Do I think he's a very good chaser? Yes, I do. But I think he stays very strongly. I think Gallopin Deschamps is more suited to the John Durkin than fast or slow is. Yeah, trying to tie together all these strands of the top-class chasers at the moment. And we spoke to Andy Edwards, the owner of L'Ompresse, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. And it was confirmed, well, confirmed, it was suggested in a piece that he he did with Lewis Portis in the Racing Post four days ago that there might just be the option of a surprise tilt at the Tingle Creek if the ground is soft enough for his comeback, maybe en route to another stab at the, uh, the King George. It was all fairly kind of hazy stuff at the moment. I wonder if yesterday's romp from John Bon in the Schler chase at Cheltenham might have made them think twice, Lydia. Uh, what did you make of John Bon yesterday? Uh, I thought he was very, very, very good indeed. Um, I particularly liked how neat and nimble he was at his fences. I mean, he's ju- he's just a two- he looks like I'm not saying just a two miler, but he's so so suited by that. And clearly, it was a significant mental barrier. Even though we know that John Bon is really good and that he acts around Cheltenham, you know, the couple of times he's been beaten have been at Cheltenham by El Fabiola and the Arkle and by uh, Constitution Hill in the Supreme. So it was good, I think, uh, psychologically in many ways for Nicky Henderson and the team to get that win at Cheltenham and show how good he is but that was a it was a really good performance it was a I think you described it as a no nonsense I'm on the best horse so let's just ride him that way kind of ride from Nico de Boinville who was riding for the first time since uh, his bumper days Um, and it was and it was it was just straightforward and he dominated there was just one moment where Edwardstone, who you could definitely make a case for. I mean, he was, he, you know, he, he definitely underperformed in the Queen Mother Champion Chase. He was never going from an early stage for whatever reason, whether it was the ground, as Alan King thinks it was, or whether it was a hard race in the Clarence Sands previously. But he was a proper contender to the dual Queen Mother Champion Chase winner. Um, an Ergaman, he'd beaten him. Um, and this was the horse ranging up against John Bond. And there was just a moment after three out where you thought, Okay, maybe. And then John Bond just moved easily five lengths clear and it was all over. So, yeah, I was really impressed. And it'll be the Tingle Creek chase next for him. Nicky Henderson is now, I think, shelving any of those ideas about exploring different distances with John Bond. I think the truth of it is, Lydia, that he could probably win over whatever trip you you ran him over. He's just one of those, isn't he? Well, also, I think that with um, with sadly Energumen being out for the season, it means that the threat of Willie Mullins sending to, uh, one of his two milers over, I think, has lessened. And it's also cleared the path on the two mile side of things for John Bond. The path would have probably have been fairly clear anyway. But the idea of bumping into uh, Energumen or El Fabiolo uh, depending on which way it was shuffled, has obviously, is obviously no longer there this season. So I think John Bourne has got a pretty um, 
easy, easily identified path through to Cheltenham. And I was like you, I was really pleased to hear Nikki Henderson talking about sticking to that two mile route, having a two mile, a, a rematch with El Fabiolo, uh, hopefully in the Queen Mother Champion Chase. He was quite quick to point out on Racing TV yesterday in an interview that the score between the two of them is actually one all. And he has always maintained that John Bond wasn't at his best when beaten by El Fabiolo in the Arkle. And he is looking, he says he's looking forward to a rematch. So that's quite, that's quite tasty, I think, towards the end of the season. You know, that we're not, I don't think we're going to see the, the, the horses that you might expect Willie Mullins to be able to send over because he's got so many two miles, milers that he needs to deploy everywhere are also owned by JP McManus, the likes of Dino Blue, the likes of Gentleman Demi. So I think that, that, that John Bong has already kind of bossed the horses on, on this side of the Irish Sea. So he, he's going to have um, a pretty straight, you know, in my mind's eye, obviously things can go wrong, things can change, but a fairly straightforward path to Cheltenham in March. Um, can I talk about Gordon Elliott? I feel this Please. is being slightly underwritten. Down Royal last weekend, five and six, his tallies on the two days. Navin this weekend, four and three. Mm. I mean, that, even if you've got a gazillion horses, that that is ridiculous. Now, he's out of the blocks in, in such a manner that I, I do wonder whether he's going to lay down a bit more of a meaningful challenge in both championship races and indeed in the championship to to Mullins or is this simply a false dawn no I think I, I it does say intense doesn't it I mean and when you've got numbers like that and quality like that and you know you've made a fight of it previously then you know getting a, a good strong start is key and you know that's certainly what what it's been I mean there's been some great racing don't you think mm. over the last fortnight three weeks so you know it's been a very strong start to the jump season which is great to see um, I particularly enjoyed seeing American Mike winning yesterday. Um, I put a picture on my Twitter feed. I I I, I used him as a, a, a prop, bless him, when he was going to run in the champion bumper a couple of seasons ago for your show, for your Road to Cheltenham show. You did, uh, and he was he was such a sweetheart as well. He was he was very good to us as we as we tried to do a number of takes. So yeah, <laughs> got, a, got a bit of got a bit of a soft spot for him. Good to see him winning. Um, and what did you make of Facile Vegas chasing debut, beating in the pocket and San Feliciano? Well, I, I, I thought that I would like to see the two of them race each other again. I mean, I thought I think that um, everybody involved in that race, those those three significant contenders that you just talked about, will be will take draw positives from what has happened. And I think that both Facile Vega and in the pocket have some some tightening up in the, in the jumping front to, to do but you know their first time out and obviously over fences you know not surprising really um I think yeah it's a really it was a very good start but I just it just spoke of a lot of promise as well and you know just how deep is that is that chase to start off the season you know how many really very good horses were were, were involved in it and you know Sam Felician going out in front and and making it uh, a test it was it was it was a really good race to watch and as I say I think most people will be positive. How, how about you? What do you think? What do you think about it? Uh, I definitely think in the pocket can make up into a into a horse that challenges Fasal Vega more meaningfully as the season goes on. That was yeah, my th gut feeling as they passed the line. I thought, yeah, they both had a really nice introduction there, and I would be just as pleased with a runner up as I was with a winner. Yeah, he he landed a bit statically a couple of times, um, but it, that got better. So yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I think there was a point in the race where Fasal Vega was just going a bit more easily and that meant that in the pocket was just slightly on the back foot but then he came through and finished strongly I, I, it's going to be I mean there's so many very good 
novice hurdlers who are going novice chasing in Ireland this season. And, you know, there's there are very few easy novices. Uh, and, you know, that's what, you know, that's what a healthy jumping scene, you know, looks like. And I, 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 it, as I said to, to Charlotte last Friday, it so much stands those horses to good stead. And it also means that trainers get to find out what their horses are and therefore the campaign that they map out for them is more likely to be successful. You know, they've max because they found out what their horses are in a serious test, they can then uh, maximise the potential for getting the campaign right. All right, just worth reflecting on some of the action in Hong Kong uh, yesterday, Sunday, and victory in the big sprint for the prolific Lucky Swainess, winning his 15th start. He's certainly the clubhouse leader as regards the Longines Hong Kong Sprint Division uh, when looking ahead to the international races mid-December. And of course, one of the horses that he will be taking on, and probably the runner-up victor, the winner, and Wellington the third, uh, who won the, the big race last year, is Highfield Princess, who is pointing to that for the Quins. Assistant trainer Sean Quinn is with me now. Uh, Sean, obviously... We've been taking a keen eye on what was happening in Hong Kong yesterday, looking at your opposition. More of that in a moment. How's how's the mayor, first of all? How's Highfield Princess? She's training nicely, Nick. Um, we, we made the decision fairly soon after she won the Abbey that we would head for, for Hong Kong, and that just enabled us to give her a small little rest period, um, freshen her up, and, and work back from Hong Kong. And um, Touching wood, she, she's, she's training nicely. Um, to Newcastle for a, a race course gallop last week with another horse who's heading to Bahrain shortly and, and we were pleased with, with them both, particularly her. Um, it, it was quite routine work, but it was it was nice to get her away. And um, yeah, look, looking forward to, uh, to, to her next venture. Uh, it's something not many Europeans try now, the Hong Kong sprint. What do you think might suit her or why might this be the best way to, to round off this season and potentially her career? Yeah, fun, funnily enough, it, it was a race that, that my dad had earmarked and, and, and appealed to him from a, from a little way out. Um, he, he's firmly of the belief, and I, and I believe too, that six furlongs around a bend should should be fine for her i think i believe you know, they, they look like they provide a lovely racing surface for horses and her speed her ability to lie up in in big five furlong races should stand her in good stead over six over there we believe and in terms of caliber of opposition it's obviously reasonably reasonably hard to weigh up but you're a you're a form guy as well as a horse guy how how do you look at her her relative to the to the locals yeah, as you say, it is quite hard. We don't get, we don't tend to mix the pools too often. They don't tend to come this way, nor do our horses go that way. Look, Lucky Swainess certainly last year was was pretty unstoppable. He's run big, big races under huge weights the past twice, and I'm sure Connections were thrilled to see him get his head back in front over the weekend. I, I think they'll be hoping. I'm sure there's there's a little bit more to come from him. Um, and, and it's very likely that that could be the case. But I certainly don't see why we shouldn't be going and, and, and throwing our hat into the ring. You look at um, even the form of, of her Abbey run. Uh, I thought Aesop's Fables ran a, a very good race over in America, Nick, and with a, with a small bit more luck, might have might have gone even closer. Our power clearly um, lost his chance at the start in the Abbey, but he came out and won the champion's sprint. So... 
Um, I know people maybe are quick to knock our sprint division um, at times this year, but um, that, that Abbey looked well up to scratch to my eyes. Uh, and, you know, Sean, you're one of the very few horses that's managed to win a Group 1 at five and six and a half furlongs. So you've already articulated that versatility. Is, is there any possibility that she actually doesn't go to be covered next year and she stays in training? There is. Um, there's every chance. We're, we're, we're very much keeping an open. Early is enjoying racing her hugely. And um, he hasn't mooted the word retirement. Um, as, as you know, there, there are good options all year round. She, she's never been to Dubai, but there's obviously the Alcoz sprint in the early part of next year. Um, and then there's there's all of those good races back back in the UK. So if she, if if he decides that he would like to keep going, then we will train her accordingly. And and if she, if she is showing all of her appetite for it, which indeed she is at the moment, then then we'll happily roll on. All right, that was uh, Sean Quinn there, and I suppose the key news piece out of there, Lydia, is that Highfield Princess may well run as a seven year old, beginning in Dubai in the spring. This uh, this international um, fun and frolics is not done yet, by the sounds of it. Well, when you're, you know, not a, a behemoth owner or owner breeding operation, and you haven't got bundles and bundles of cash, um, Highfield Princess is a, a horse in a in a million. It's um, a, a conservative estimate, and so why wouldn't you want to extend the dream and experience? all that having a horse of that quality and constitution and guts can bring you and yeah i think that's i mean not, not obviously it's great news for racing fans but it's really nice for for john fairley um and 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 for the quins and yeah that's that that's great news i really i really enjoyed hearing that um there was some slightly concerning news from japan yesterday when when ryan moore took quite a nasty fall at kyoto uh he was okay. He got up okay in the end. The, the, he also missed the Group One winner as well. He, he was going to ride Namur in the Mile Championship, and that horse was ridden by a Japanese journeyman rider Kota Fujioka. Uh, but in all honesty, the concern was simply with Ryan and his well-being. I had a little bit of communication with him this morning, and he said he he got up and walked out of the place, and that was really all all, all that mattered. As you and I were saying earlier on, I think everyone's quite. Uh, conscious at the moment of um, keeping these things in in perspective, and he he said well, they've looked after me impeccably here in in Japan. He feels a little bit stiff, but he's he's basically okay, which is which is um, good news indeed. Very much so, um, and that that does sound if you know if if Ryan Moore is saying that that you know it's it was clearly a, a very nasty incident. I think he unseated he was unseated from Wilson Way. At, at the start of a, of a maiden race, a two-year-old maiden race, and you know, it it is it is a very dangerous sport. It is it is one of the most dangerous sports that you can be involved in as an athlete. So, um, uh, yeah, as you say, uh, perspective is important. Uh, uh, missing a, a Group One winner is 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 frustrating, but your your health and well-being is far more important. Well, as you probably know, the last leg of my round-the-world trip was in Bahrain. Uh, Friday's Bahrain International Trophy went the way of Spirit Dancer, owned and bred uh, by Sir Alex Ferguson in partnership with his uh, good friends uh, Fred Doan and, of course, uh, Jed Mason. And trainer Richard Fahey is, is with me now. Uh, Richard, Sir Alex was there. You were all there. Um, 
the horse was a big price with the British books. Um, but it, sometimes uh, a little bit of inspiration or magic tends to descend, and that appeared to be what happened on Friday afternoon. Quite special, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, to be honest. Uh, before, the whole trip was great. Uh, the icing on the cake was horse-winning, but uh, a bit of a, what I would regard as a surreal moment just for about a couple of minutes. It was, it was good viewing and uh, an easy race to watch because you always felt from front and out he was going to win, you know. He, he didn't just win either. He absolutely bolted up against horses that were... You know, rated a little bit his his superior, but lots of them as well. Yeah, look, it's it's always amazing when you you look at a race. Was it lucky? Was it not? If you took him out of the race, it was an extremely competitive race, and probably they all finished more or less by, by the favourite where they should have done. So, so you'd like to think it's solid farm for me. It's solid farm anyway. I'm not going to take it away from him. So- uh, Impressively, you know. Does it make does it make you think any differently about about him, about his future, about what you do now? I know it sounds strange because he's already six. Yeah, to be honest, look, I was I was impressed with him at York when he won the Strensel. Uh, he'd had four runs in just over a month there, so I gave him a little break after the Strensel, and I'm not saying we need a penalty in the in the new market race desperate ground and probably just needed the run so I, I knew there was a lot of improvement from that run um, and going back to his strength of run he probably if he hadn't run at Newmarket he, he wouldn't have been the price he was you know and it, it was a, a very special moment for, for Sir Alex I think there was an awful lot of warmth to, towards him over the over the week and he seemed to absolutely love it as well um, you know how much did it mean to you to be able to provide him with that that moment of joy he lost his wife, as you know, uh, three and a half, four weeks ago. I mean, it'll give him a lift. I'm sure it did. But to be fair to Sir Alex, he did everything that I suppose a global superstar should, and he was he was brilliant, you know. And for him, winning the race was probably probably fantastic and just a surreal moment for him, you know. And are you going to head to Saudi with the horse? Because he, he qualified for the the, the Neon Cup there. Yeah. We'll travel. Um, he's look, he's got to get home. Uh, we're going to get him home and see see what's happening. Uh, but there's no reason why not to try and have a go. He hasn't had a, 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 an awful lot of rest and had a little bit of a break after York. So there's no reason why we can't uh, even. Well, we're definitely thinking about it, and uh, I'll be disappointed if we're not there. You know, uh, Richard. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Nick. Well, I don't think I can ever remember an autumn anywhere in the world, whether it's the United States or Ireland, Britain, France, where there's been such interesting trade in broodmares and breeding stock and high-class prospects who've come off the race course and those who already established themselves in the breeding shed, certainly falling into the latter category and concluding the prestigious Scepter Sessions at the Tattersall's Breeding Stock Sale on Tuesday the 5th of December is a mare called Kenzie. Kenzie is famous in her own right for being a pretty decent stakes performer, but also more famous as the dam of two Group 1 performers, uh, Sunray and, of course, um, Sealyway. Uh, Sally-Anne Grassic is the uh, international manager for Arada Colville, uh, who's uh, Guy Parriant, is consigning uh, this uh, really tempting mare. Sally-Anne, of the obvious question is she's 13. She's got two Group 1 winners. Why now? Why is she selling? 
Oh, morning, Nick. Um, I think basically Guy Parliant, who uh, has set up Ara de Colville, he feels that this is a, a good time to kind of swoop with with her and see if there there is interest for her out in the market. You know, he has a price in his head of what he'd like for her. If she doesn't make it, we're very, very happy to keep her in our broodmare band. But, um, you know, she's, she's 13. She's at a good age. If you keep her any longer than this, then it gets harder for, for people to kind of sell and, and invest people to invest in, in buying a mare for the future. And he has two daughters of hers, both by Galloway, Seagala uh, and a yearling filly that went through book one um, this year. So he has two full sisters to Seelyway and Sunway to breed from in the future. So he feels he, he still has a, a good connection with the family. And he really is a, a a maverick. The way he's established his his breeding operation, and the way that the way that he's effectively made stallions and made families. I mean, this this being an obvious example of, of pushing Galloway right to the fore. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. As I, I say, he's very rarely wrong. You know, it, people said that he was lucky when it came to Ken Darjant. I know we've talked about it before in your podcast, but you know the the success he had with Ken Darjant, who by all rights probably shouldn't have been a stallion. You know, on based on his racing career, but he's made him such a success, and he's proved now that it's no fluke because he's you know doing it with Gok and Ken Darjant's son, and also to a very high extent with Galloway. You know, we've had Sunway and Sealyway on the flat. We've had Vauban and Gallimard. So, you know, he's he's proving it at, at every level and with, with all different types of horses. So it's it's an exciting time to have, you know, two sires like that. And Ken Darjant, although he's getting on in years, he's now proving himself as a broodmare sire through these uh, mares that, that Guy Parriant has crossed with Galloway. And uh, this mare, uh, Kenzie, the, the cover that she's got at the moment is, is also going to be quite interesting to prospective buyers. Yeah, Tasha does inform me that she's um, the only dam of two Group 1 winners to be offered at auction anywhere in the world this year, which is a, a pretty impressive statistic in its own right. But she's also the only mare in full to Zarak. Uh, the Aga Khan Stallion um, at, in Tattersalls this year at all, which was something that took me by surprise. But, you know, he's a, a stallion going places and lots of people are interested in in acquiring mares in full to him. So for her to be the only one, that that's a little bit of an added bonus. And being by Ken Darjan, she's a great outcross. You know, she could go to, to lots of different stallions. You know, Frank will probably be being an, an obvious one with the fact that the Galileo cross works so well for her. But there's, there's plenty of stallions that you could choose from anywhere in the world. And the idea of selling her in Tattersalls was that all of those prospective buyers from all over the world will be there in that one place and that's the kind of best place to strike with her and, and get the attention for her but also great publicity for Ara de Colville and, and what Guy Parriant has achieved. All right well there you are then the only mare to be offered in foal this season who's the dam of two individual group one winners Sunway and Sealyway's dam Kenzie is the final lot the wildcard final lot in the Scepter Sessions Tuesday the 5th of December don't miss it. sally thanks so much. Thanks, Nick. All right, Sally-Ann Grassick there, and looking forward to uh, seeing how Ken C gets on at the uh, Scepter Sessions next week. Uh, sorry, two weeks' time, isn't it? December the 5th. Lydia is with me still, and um, before she gives you some advice for today, we ought to just nod to State Man, who I think is going to run in the Morgiana Hurdle at the weekend at Punchestown, which I guess leaves Willie Mullins and Pere pass for the Hatton's Grace at Fairy House um, a little further down the line. 
You would think so, wouldn't you, given that Ampere Pass was able to win uh, the, the Ballymore at the festival over further, although he's being aimed at the champion hurdle, ultimately looks you know very, very capable over the two miles. He was he was your classic Ballymore winner who you know d- did it with, with speed, um, which often is uh, perversely favoured in the Ballymore rather than the Supreme. And Stateman just looks like a bang two miler. So I, I would assume that that is the way the two of them will go. I was slightly surprised that Stateman stays over hurdles. Were you? Um... Perhaps, perhaps a little, and uh, maybe they maybe they think that there's just something that they hadn't quite unlocked towards the end of last year. Either that, or he hasn't scored very well over fences. Yeah, yeah. there is that possibly. Um, how well stocked, though, when you think about it, is Willie Mullins in that two mile novice Jays division? Answer: Very. Yeah, true. That's true. That will that will be another factor as well, and and we've seen previously that uh, Willie Mullins is is quite happy to and and <laughs> I think be quite happy to it's full of good horses in every kind of race yeah and here's something that did occur to me there's definitely I, I, I definitely think there's an appetite to challenge Constitution Hill rather than a rather than an appetite to run away from him which has got to be healthy for the sport now everyone knows that realistically you probably can't beat him but I mean you're not you're not going to dissuade Paul Nichols from having a go even though the horse that he's got is you know a stone and a bit behind him you're not going to dissuade Willie Mullins from chucking a few at him Ampero past state man and more you know at least there's a possibility he might get a race or two at least I I think so and as you say it is extremely good for the sport I mean that that is that is the first thing to say about it because you you don't want uh races as important as you know the champion hurdle and other grade ones during the course of the season to be a procession but I I think the reason that there's an there's an increased appetite or a greater appetite that we might have expected was that the win in the Aintree hurdle was underwhelming and I think people, for the first time, felt that they might have seen the upper limit to Constitution Hill. Now, whether that is um, fair and reflective, because that was obviously his first go at two and a half miles. And maybe he is just, you know, not I don't mean just, maybe he is a bang two miler. And, you know, that sees him at absolute peak ability. But in terms of, of what we saw last season, it was the least impressive performance so i think that would have encouraged people to think well you know no horse is, is completely invincible I, I feel like i've seen a, a chink of light here potentially so let's take him on all right who are we going to have a go at today um i'm going to kempton this evening and they're seven o'clock which is the pretty much two miler and it's a horse that's trying the trip for the first time but is an excellent form finished second at the track last time out um over a mile and three behind max mayhem and was slightly unfortunate max mayhem was quite a cozy winner but he and Elite had to wait for a run didn't get the clearest runs and had to switch round and finish off quite strongly he settles pretty well i think he's going to see out the two miles on the all weather which isn't so much about stamina and more about being able to conserve energy for a late kick so he's a huge price i mean he was 12 to 1 in some books which really took me by surprise so anyway and a leap in the seven o'clock at kempton park this evening that's for daniel and claire kubler and richard kingscott uh enjoyed the kubler's company last week uh in bahrain well done to them with astro king and they've got a couple of good ones coming through the ranks as well always enjoy their success Good luck to them. Thank you for listening. That was Monday, November the 20th. Uh, Good to be back here in TW11. I'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.